Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. A smart man, a thirsty woman, a blind beggar, a grieving sister. Four very different people in four very different situations. A smart man, a thirsty woman, a blind beggar, a grieving sister. These are the four people Pastor Bob and I will be focusing on over the next few weeks as we walk through Lent to Holy Week, as we walk to the cross of Good Friday and to the empty tomb of Easter Sunday. And these four people represent a cross-section of the human race. And as we begin to walk with them, we'll begin to see that their stories are our stories. We'll see that we are smart. We are thirsty, we are blind, and we grieve. And we'll see that Jesus enters these stories and he changes people's lives. He teaches, he gives drink, he heals, and he comforts. And these people, in all their circumstances, were changed. And so are we. And so this morning, as we start to talk about, walk with this man, Nicodemus, we see he's a man we don't know much about. We know some things. We know he's smart. We know he seeks answers. But there's a lot more that we don't know. As we look at this man, Nicodemus, I I wondered if he was saved. I wondered if we'll get the opportunity to one day greet Nicodemus as a fellow brother in Christ. And as your pastor, I should know this answer, right? With my 37 years of life, my four years at seminary, my three and a half years as a professional theologian, I should know the answer to whether Nicodemus is saved or not. Now, believe it or not, there are some here that probably know more about the Bible than me. Not for lack of trying on my part, but some of you have been studying the Bible for more than double my entire life. And so let me ask you, do you know if Nicodemus is saved? I'm not sure any of us could answer that question with any certainty because sadly, we just don't know much about Nicodemus. We see him here in our gospel reading for today. We see him appear as a man meeting Jesus at night, asking all sorts of questions and not really understanding the answers. We see him again in John chapter 7, verses 50 through 51, when he is reminding the Jewish council that people in general deserve a fair trial, or that they should at least be listened to before they're condemned. And the last time we see him is when Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate permission to take away the body of Jesus after the crucifixion in John chapter 19 verses 30 through 42. Nicodemus came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. And Joseph and Nicodemus then prepare the body for burial, and they lay Jesus in the tomb. And that's all scripture has on Nicodemus. He doesn't show up in Eusebius's church history, nor in the writings of Josephus, at least not in the two books on my shelf. But this character in the Bible is one who listened to Jesus deliver the most 
well-known verse in the whole Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We all know that verse. And many of us know that Jesus said it. At least we think Jesus said it. I mean, it's written in red letters in my Bible, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jesus said it. Except, well, in William C. Weinrich's Concordia Commentary on John 1, 1 through 7, 1, he seems to think otherwise. Discussing the structure of the back and forth here between Jesus and Nicodemus, Weinrich goes on to say the following on page 382. At the same time, there is reason to think that from John 3.16 onward, it is the evangelist who is speaking, referring to John. In John 3.16, in John 3.16 the aorist verb, or the past tense verb, adokin, meaning give, indicates that Jesus' death is in the past. There are, also, there are also certain stylistic features which point to the evangelist, end quote. But then there's another commentary from CPH on John that addresses 316 that says that, quote, Jesus was using the moment to teach Nicodemus God's eternal plan of salvation. In simple terms, which most Christians today know from memory, Jesus summed up the plan, end quote. So did Jesus say it or not? During my research, I felt like Jesus could look at me. And he could say to me the same words he said to Nicodemus. Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Are you the teacher of South Shore Trinity, and you do not understand these things? I mean, I don't think I'm a dummy. But at this point, I'm not even sure who said the most famous verse in the whole Bible. And for us who have studied Scripture for years and years... We find over and over that there are things that we just don't know. There are things we haven't learned yet. There are truths that go beyond human comprehension. Yet we strive. We strive to learn. We strive to be educated in the ways of God. And Nicodemus was educated. Not only was he a Pharisee, he was a ruler a member of the Jewish council known as the Sanhedrin. As a Pharisee, he belonged to the preeminent Jewish sect, which represented the Jewish authorities, who were in strict observance, and, and they were teachers of the Torah. These people, who were popular with the common people, wielded quite a bit of power. They also believed that in order to live under God's favor, as in the days of Moses and, and David, the Jews needed to, to separate themselves from the Gentiles and their ways and return to strict observance of Mosaic law. They thought of themselves as purists, as loyalists, as traditionalists who kept the traditions of Moses alive. So not only was Nicodemus a Pharisee, but he was also a member of the Sanhedrin. He was one of just 71 men, a group of men made up of the presiding chief priest, lay elders, and the scribes who functioned as legal experts in Judaism. I read that the great Sanhedrin functioned like the Jewish nation's Supreme Court 
taking appeals from cases decided by lesser courts. It was the final authority on Jewish law, and any scholar who went against its decisions was put to death. So to be proud of this group meant, to be, uh, meant being a legal, a legal scholar and that you were highly, highly educated. Now if we get down to brass tacks and we start comparing ourselves to Nicodemus, we're going to get real uncomfortable real quick. Because we start to see how much Nicodemus and we who are educated in the faith have in common. Some of us belong to a special group of leaders in the church. Some of us are highly educated. And as lifelong Christians and churchgoers, we are the ones who uphold the traditions. There are some of us who discuss Luther as if he were on par with the Apostle Paul. Some of us do the readings, some of us do the teachings, some of us have church songs and hymns memorized. And some of us, especially when we are judging others, are experts in the law. In this reading from John chapter 3, it starts out with Nicodemus calling Jesus teacher. In verse 2, Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know that you are teacher come from God. And after some back and forth with Nicodemus failing to keep up with the teachings of Jesus, Jesus addresses Nicodemus as a teacher. In verse 10, Jesus says, Are you the teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? And notice here that Jesus' assessment of Nicodemus, it, it shows us the possibility of a certain reality. That a person can be well-educated in the Christian religion, or any religion for that matter, and still not understand the things of the Spirit. A person can be a church leader, a church pastor, a, a congregational president, a, a head elder, a Bible study leader, and still not be touched by the Spirit of God in one's heart and one's head. A person can be well-educated in factual knowledge of both Old and New Testament, but still not know God and his great love for the world. Nicodemus could have had his Ph.D. in biblical studies, but still not know what it meant to have faith, to be born again, to, to know the Lord or to follow him. But Jesus teaches the smart man, Nicodemus, a man who is searching, searching for the truth about God and the ways of God. In a way, Nicodemus is a symbol of, of a searcher, of a person who wants to know God as more than a, a maker and enforcer of rules and laws. And Nicodemus sought after Jesus as he thought him to be an authentic voice from God. Or else Jesus would not have been able to do the signs and miracles he had done. Nicodemus came to Jesus, perhaps because he was searching for that authentic voice from God. And really, that's who we all are. We are all seeking the authentic voice from God. We are all seeking Christ. We are all people who spend our lives learning from God. And Jesus teaches us, too. 
He teaches us that we don't have all the answers, but that's okay. Because he does. He teaches us that we can't save anyone, no matter how much we want to. But that's okay, because that's not our job to create faith in people. He teaches us that no matter how much we give of ourselves, no matter how much we sacrifice our time, our energy, our emotions, even our relationships with our families, we'll never sacrifice as much as Jesus did for us. And he teaches us that no matter how skillfully we pull off that act of seeming to have it all together, he teaches us, he reminds us, that we're still broken, still sinful, still in desperate need of saving. And whether Jesus said the words in John 3.16 or not, they're still true. It's still true that God did truly love the world so much, so perfectly, that he gave, he handed over, he let go of his only son, Gave him up so that we humans could brutally mock, beat, torture, and gruesomely execute the very Son of God who never sinned a day in his life. And he did all that so that we who believe in him should not perish but be eter- and be eternally separated from God, but, but instead have eternal, never-ending life. Nicodemus learned this. And this legal scholar, this upholder of the traditions and laws from of old, he came not to learn more law from Jesus, but the gospel. In our epistle lessons in Romans 4, 13 through 15, it says, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heirs of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, Faith is null, and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. So our responsibilities as followers of Christ are not to be that of Nicodemus, as simply being upholders of traditions and laws. No, we are the ones who are to hold on to the promise of God by faith. For like it says in 2 Corinthians 2, 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So as followers of Christ, we are ones who help the Spirit blow where it must so that God can create faith. We get to do that by sharing God's word with other people in our lives. And by doing so, we are ones who get to participate in helping people to be born of water and the Spirit so that they can enter the kingdom of God. I started the sermon asking if Nicodemus was saved or not. And I don't think we'll ever have a definitive answer, at least not this side of the resurrection. And if I were doing Nicodemus' funeral, I I would not preach him into the kingdom as some out there may have done. Instead, I would say that he heard the promise of God, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And I would take hope in the actions of this man who, who sought after Jesus, who, who listened to him, who tried to defend him and give him a fair trial, 
and who after Jesus died on the cross came bringing 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes in order to bury Jesus. Some might say the bringing of the 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe was his public testament of faith in Christ. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But either way, I'm glad for this conversation that was recorded for us in John chapter 3. I'm glad for this man Nicodemus, who came to Jesus to learn. For by his words and actions, by his discourse with our Savior, we have sweet words of promise to learn and to hold tightly to as we get opportunity to share God's love with the world, the world God so deeply loved. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.